Hey, Andrew. Hey, Greg. It's December 21st, 2020. Merry almost, almost Christmas. Um, my God. Yeah, we're almost uh, we're almost out of the woods on this one. Something. I mean, I think people keep saying like, oh, 2020 is almost over. It's like, yeah, but it doesn't make anything else not over. I don't know, man. Look, uh, we're, we're, we're getting a new president. That's not going to. And, you know, like I like I said on the last time we recorded, like more than a month ago. Oopsie doopsie. <laughs> um, uh, it, he's not going to make things worse. Yeah, I don't think he's going to make things better, but he's not going to make things worse. And people are getting the vaccine. My aunt, who uh, she she's a nurse in the, you know, the the children's wing at a busy hospital. So she needs it. But like she got the vaccine last week. So people are getting a vaccine. It's happening. Yeah. My mom got hers today. Um, So we those are two things that are actually going to make a difference. Of course, although now we're seeing like, oh, yeah, no, uh, those idiot, uh, you know, um, you know, Brits, they they managed to mutate the strain. So <laughs> uh, plot twist, maybe I've heard the positive thing I've heard is that the vaccine is still effective against it. The negative thing I've heard is that it's 70 percent more transmissible. <laughs> Great. This is like, oof, how are it going to get and more transmissible? If those dummies <laughs> cooked up a new batch, you bet your ass. We've we've oh, been yeah. cooking up a worse batch in Wisconsin. Truth. <laughs> wait Truth. till we see. Wait till wait till we see what we've been cooking up. We, this is definitely a hold my beer moment for America, I think. Yeah. Fueled by beef jerky, Doritos and Mountain Dew. It's coming for us. Hey, hey, uh, I which won't have all you those things the names of those fine products. Oh, I have a question for you. Favorite Dorito flavor. Top Dorito flavor. Uh, you know, I got to go with the classic nacho cheesier. Uh, OK. All right. All right. I appreciate that. I'm I'm a purple Dorito guy myself. Ooh. The, uh, the spicy chili, spicy sweet chili. That shit is that put, you know, how like every snack food is addictive because they're designed to be. That mm-hmm. shit's like another level for me. That's the kind oh. of thing where I can smell the bag and it's just gone. Oh, yeah. I uh, I've I've had conversations with uh with one of the uh, food scientists who works or worked at least at that point on Doritos. And yeah, yeah, they're um, uh, they uh, they know what they're doing. It is not an accident that Doritos have an almost perfect, you know, however they quantify these things in terms of um, what's the way they say it, like satisfying, but not satiating Mm. is what you're going for so that like the eating experience is very satisfying like in that it's it's very rewarding to to eat it but it never satisfies you you never feel like ah i have i'm i'm good on this you know like after you have like a really good dinner of like a really well prepared meal and you'd be like that was that was good that was excellent an excellent eating experience but i if you came and put another steak in front of me i wouldn't want to eat it right yeah, I mean, I don't feel that often, but I'm a freak. So just like <laughs> satiation is something that's always on the horizon. But um, yes, I get it. I think it's also about like richness. Like even though they're rich in calories and lots of random ingredients, 
they it's not like you know you ever sit down and eat like i don't know like a charcuterie board and you have like a bunch of nice cheeses and some meats and you're like i'm good like i had a couple bites and it's just a little not me like i said hypothetical me not me because i would just keep eating it but where it's just like it's kind of a rich thing and like you eat too much of it and you're like i'm good it's a very it's a lot of different flavors very complex and i feel like the thing with those kind of snack foods is that they're not and that's part of what makes them they're just like very straightforward and then very addictive for that reason and they and and there are food scientists who have mastered this equation. They they understand all the elements that, you know, work on the satisfaction side and on the satiety side and they are constantly uh min-maxing that. Um God, I would say also God bless him for it. <laughs> Totino's pizza rolls are one of those mm-hmm. okay. snack foods for me at least where I'm like I don't think there's a quantity of these where like once I've had them, once I've had a certain quantity, I've had enough. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I would, I would eat them until I got sick. Yeah, uh, I actually kind of ruined them for myself a couple of weeks ago. Maybe months ago at this point, my friends and I were doing uh, one of our go-to activities in COVID has been virtual power hours. Um, for those unaware, power hours where you make a playlist of songs, sixty songs, sixty seconds from each song, and then every one of those transitions, you do a shot of beer. Amounts to like six to seven beers in an hour. Um, obviously, most people are drinking light beer unless they want to die. Um, but anyway, I had put in uh, I had some leftover pizza rolls in my freezer from like a party at some point. And I was like, yeah, this is going to be I was like super drunk. Like, this is going to be good. We've all been there. Put them in the oven like hour and a half later. Like, Oh, shit. The pizza rolls. <laughs> uh, but they looked OK on the outside, looking a little dark. And then like I bit into one and it was just like the inside was I don't know how to describe it. Like just like black desiccated, like the inside. It burnt from the inside out. And now I have like, I'm going to think of that whenever I try to go eat a pizza roll, unfortunately. Uh, That seems regrettable. (laughs) It Um, is. I have found that the key to properly cooking pizza rolls is um, you can't rely on on the timer um, because we all know that the that the the perfect level of doneness of the pizza roll. Right. When the when the filling has reached the right temperature and the outside has crisped up perfectly is about four microseconds before the damn thing bursts. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, totally. So what I have found is that you, you, you set everything up ideally in a toaster oven, um, rather than a a full size oven, Mm. but you eat much less pizza rolls than I do. apparently. (laughs) Huh? You eat much less pizza rolls than I do. Apparently. Um, (laughs) maybe in a session by session, but probably not at a monthly level. Um, <laughs> but the trick is, so you set everything up according to um, according to the package instructions. Ideally, don't cook them on a baking sheet. If you can cook them on a, a grate or a raised rack, you'll get uh, it, it'll get crispier. Um, they're also good in an air fryer if you have access to one of those. Uh, but really, because you want to get airflow all around the pizza roll, so mm-hmm. that uh, all sides crisp up mm-hmm. uh, equally. But the key is, um, it's a lot like making popcorn, where in the last minute or so, it's all about uh, the the auditory. Like you got to listen when you hear the pizza roll start to sizzle, which means that the um, the oils in the in the crust have started to express and have started to sizzle on the outside, that's when you pull them. You gotta listen for the sizzle. When you hear the sizzle, you pull them and they'll be perfectly done. You go too long and they burst or they burn at the corners and ugh, that's a bad pizza roll. Listen for the sizzle. All right, we'll keep this in mind. This is like um 
you know, uh, I feel like frozen pizzas are a, a staple of my household of like, especially during COVID, may not typically, but right now it's just like, I'm not cooking, I'm making frozen pizza. Um, my current brand of choice is Newman's Own, which is Newman's Original, whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, make a, they make a decent frozen pizza. They're really good. Um, and, uh, you know, Shay's always like, well, what What do I, how long do I cook it for? I'm like, I don't know. Like, you just look, like, you just got to watch. Like, you can't, it's like, well, the box says lemons and the box is wrong. The box is always wrong. Whenever you're cooking, like, especially, or like, fr- you know, French fries or tater tots that go in the oven, you know, like Gorita or whatever, like, mm-hmm. you got to cook them at least 15, 20 minutes longer than what it calls for on the, on the bag. I think you need to calibrate your oven. <laughs> I'm just saying, I do this other places because I hate an undercooked, like, especially a potato product, but an undercooked, an undercooked anything is bad. And I feel like we've all been there with the pizza rolls to your point where like they've been overcooked, they've bursted, they've been undercooked. They're like not really warm the whole way in the mm-hmm. center, which isn't great. Yeah. It's a tough, it's a tough one to uh, you, listen for the sizzle listen for the and sizzle. you get it right every time. All right. Well, that's your advice. Listeners at home. Listen for yeah. the sizzle. <sighs> Welcome to our food podcast. We could totally do one of those too. I feel like. Yeah, uh, we could. Um, I, I want to tell you about a rack of lamb for Thursday. Very interesting. What do you? How, how are you planning to prepare your rack of lamb? I'm not sure. Kenji has a recipe for a sous vide rack of lamb. Hmm. Uh, but I don't think I'm gonna do that. I think I'm gonna try it. Just um, maybe pan fry it, or maybe do okay. like a you know pan fry and finish in the oven, something like that. I haven't mm-hmm. cooked a rack of lamb before, so I'm going to look around a little bit, but... I've never done a rack of lamb either. I was going to get a leg, but I was like, it's just Shay and I. I don't, like... <laughs> that's a lot of that's I a lot would of love <laughs> to eat lamb for, like, seven days straight, but back to our, you know, question of richness. Not sure that's probably the best idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had, on the opposite end of things, um, I walked into my local um, giant food stores, which is also the grocery store for which I work, but, um, but not my giant. Uh, well, no, the giants in Pennsylvania are owned by the same company that owns the giants in Maryland and Virginia and Delaware. Um, but they are technically a separate company now. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, the company that makes the sushi in our stores, you know, the grab and go sushi, mm-hmm. uh, just introduced a, um, Flamin' Hot Cheetos sushi roll. No. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my goodness gracious. Now, it, look, and I work for this company company, and I'm involved in a pretty heavy, pretty high level project around our whole like meal solutions prepared foods thing. And I had no idea this thing was coming. And I would I would like to think that there that people in my office uh would know enough about me to know that if they're gonna be rolling out this dumbass thing that well dumbass greg's certainly gonna want to eat this stupid thing uh and i would have known about it in advance not have to find out while walking into the store like a goddamn peasant i don't know what to think about my coworkers now that they think so little of me or so much of me they think so much of me not to tell me about this but uh yeah i bought that and ate half of it interesting how would you grade that? Um, so imagine a sushi roll, the kind of sushi roll you'd get at a decent grocery store. You know, not at a decent sushi restaurant, but at a decent grocery store. Okay. What kind of su- um, what, like, what kind of roll? It had cream cheese in it. It was, oh, you know. Like a Philly roll? Kind of like a Philly roll. Might have had a couple more, you know, maybe like some cucumber in it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but, but that kind of thing. Um, but then on the outside, uh, there's flaming Hot Cheeto 
crumbles dust i don't know it, well, this is important, actually, because do they is it just the dust or do they actually have like is it a crumble? Because I feel like the crunch could add a lot to this. I feel roll. like it had a little bit of crunch. OK, uh, as much crunch as anything that's been sitting in a cooler chest sure, for 12 sure, hours yeah, yeah. is going to have. Right. The, the 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 remnants of crunch. Right, right. <laughs> Suggestion of crunch. <laughs> a memory of crunch. Yeah. Uh, so imagine what that would be like. And that's exactly what it was. Okay, so this is weird because I actually have not had Flaming Hot Cheetos before. Um, much like your Doritos preference, I love like classic original Cheetos. It's one of my S tier snack foods for me, and I've always been nervous about the Flaming Hot, thinking it was probably too spicy. Also, the color is very off putting. It's, I mean, it's fine. It's not. I mean, my problem with a spicy with a spicy snack is that um, generally, if I'm going for a salty, crunchy, cheesy boy. Um, I'm going for volume <laughs> yeah. and, um, any of the spicy ones, like I enjoy them, but I can't do, you know, an entire bag of them right. before it starts to get uncomfortable. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I tend to stick with the classics on, mm-hmm. on, the, on the, uh, the chip front. All right. Um, should we talk about like Star Wars or something? <laughs> I guess we can talk about Star Wars. <laughs> Um, that's interesting. I, I, one more second on that. I just would like to talk to the person who was like, pitch that, you know, out of all the things. Hey man, look, Frito-Lay has, has actually been in over the last five years. Like they're, um, they've been incredibly smart and in starting to license, especially Cheetos, but to a certain extent, also Doritos, uh, licensing their product almost as an ingredient. Mm hmm. And partnering with other brands and growing that way, like, is incredibly smart because somebody over there realized that um, they probably had hit the ceiling on just line extensions of just like, oh, we're going to put out a new Cheetos flavor, right? Or a new Cheetos shape, right? And like, you're only going to get so many of that because the truth is in today's marketplace, you're only going to sell so many bags of Cheetos to your average customer in a year. Right. And and there's a ceiling on that because of just where people's concerns are with health and that sort of thing right now. Like you're only going to sell so many actual bags of this product and you can introduce a new flavor, but you're just cannibalizing sales of yourself. Right. right? That makes sense. Um, So how do you grow? Well, what if I can get you to buy Cheetos when you're at KFC Mm -hmm. or Um, at the movie theater, which is really fucking good. Right. You know, you know, I'm selling these things as um, and because because these are all licensing deals, um, they're a lot lower risk for uh, Frito-Lay. Whereas if you're going to do all this R&D to come up with a new flavor, right, like uh, a, a, a snack food, a snack food flavor might spend two to three years in development before it gets to the market. Mm hmm. And you're so you're investing a ton of money into a new flavor um, and it might and people might not love it um, as opposed to, you know, something like, you know, making a deal with Frito-Lay to, or not Frito-Lay, making a deal with KFC to make a, like a Cheetos chicken sandwich. You don't have to do nearly as much development there and KFC is going to pay you for that deal up front. Hold up. Is there is there a Cheetos chicken sandwich? There was. Oh, that sounds uh, so fucking good. Two summers ago, and it was so good. <laughs> they uh it was um so they just put it was it was like a, a, a KFC chicken sandwich, right? And they just put some Cheetos on it, but they also had like they called it Cheetos oil. 
Uh, I, that was a mistaking branding, but okay, go ahead. <laughs> um, that they that they put on it as well, uh, which was very good. So you could and you could also get nugs with the oil on Ooh, it. Oh, um, I'm really hungry now. Yeah. All right, I anyway. can't talk about this anymore. Although I do want to do, I think sometime we'll do a podcast where it's just lightning round of uh, branding opportunities, like you just mentioned, described for different foods. Like you'll put me on the clock and give me like ten seconds to come up with one. Uh, it's like uh, 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 Cheetos cream cheese. Uh, you know, <laughs> just go through it like that. I'm sure it's been done. Okay, well, Greg, it's the end of the year. It is, and thank fucking god, <laughs> we've had some pretty big pieces of news come out in the past few weeks since we last spoke and i think we also want to talk about some of our favorites from the year yeah um where would you like to start let's start with let's start with like recent stuff and then we'll get into our best ofs okay so i think the best place to start probably the thing most recent to both of us and listeners which would be the mandalorian season two Mm-hmm. um we've talked about our feelings on the mandalorian you know quite a bit I don't think either of our feelings have changed dramatically at this point. Uh, but the season was interesting and that finale was very interesting. And mm-hmm. I, we purposely, maybe, or you just ignore me, one of the two, um, did not talk about the finale. So, um, obviously, spoilers to the Manly season two. And I would caution you definitely, if you care, this is a spoiler that's worth saving. So, putting that out there yes but i think if you exist on the internet for longer than like another week you're gonna fucking know about it but it's also it's also not a spoiler that i would say is like it's not ned stark dying right it doesn't really it doesn't really change anything and it's also one that you were kind of like if you've been paying attention to the show at all you were like "Mm, yeah i wonder if they would probably do that if they could you know yeah so what we're talking around is in you know one of the plot lines of the season was that, um, you know, the Mandalorian was tasked with take the basic plot line season. The Mandalorian was tasked with getting Baby Yoda, uh, whose name we learned is Grogu, um, back to his kind, aka the Jedi. And part of that task led them to that shitty episode on planet Tython, um, where Boba Fett returned and he communicated with somebody. And, you know, another Jedi out there. And then, you know, that was two episodes for the finale. Fast forward. Very obvious that someone is going to come in the finale to do something more than likely. They aren't going to let that thread dangle. So there's a lot of questions around who it was going to be. You know, is it going to be Ezra from the Rebel show? Is it going to be Ashoka again or Soka again? Is it going to be Mace Windu? Is it going to be this guy or the guy from the Force Unleashed? Or God, I've read so many freaking things. of just like, it's going to be this guy. It's going to be this guy. It's just like in the back of my mind, I was like, I mean, story wise, it should be Luke. Right. Right. That would make the most sense. If anyone's meditating and trying to find other Jedi, it's probably Luke Skywalker. But like they're never going to do that. But I was like, but maybe they would. And in the back of my mind, you know, I didn't really like I don't know. I was just like, I just I don't I don't know. I wasn't sure if they were bold enough. And here's the reason why I would say that it's worth, you know, well, at this point we spoiled it. But the reason that I was trying to be very cautious and also warn some friends who I knew might be a little late and watching it to like stay off the Internet. Because like even though I've discussed at length my trials and tribulations with Star Wars lately, and even though there's certainly some mechanical complaints about that episode and Mandalorian in general, I was genuinely very excited in that sequence of events. And I, it made me happy inside. I I didn't feel the same. Oh, no, Greg. So um, one... I think the decision to use the 
um, virtual Luke Skywalker effects was the wrong choice because there were times when it definitely it looked a lot better than virtual Leia and virtual Grand Moff Tarkin. So they're getting better, but it still didn't look quite right, especially when he talked. I don't know what wasn't mm-hmm. really connecting for me, but it almost felt like the lip sync was off or something. Yeah, that wasn't what it was, but it was like that. It was that same mm, disconnect. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, well, let's let's I'll, get, I'll put but, it this way. Okay, Before the CGI actual like the recreation of a young Mark Hamill, which I will say I I thought looked pretty decent given that it's a TV show. Yeah. And that, you know, I'm sure the budget wasn't the same that it was to try and make Leia or Grandma Tark or whatever. And like you said, getting better. I definitely agree with you with the talking thing. Although a lot of people are like, it looked like garbage. I'm like, I don't know. I don't think it looked like garbage. It like you look, could tell, but it but it's definitely a step up, I think, from what we saw, like you said, in Rogue One. But my um, I guess my main complaint is is less that like, oh, the CG didn't work as well as it could have. Um, it's that I don't know, actually getting another actor in, you know, who looks enough like a young Mark Hamill or younger Mark Hamill. But that makes me act that would actually make me feel like, oh, he, this might this character might be a character going forward. Right. Yeah. Like I might get some more time with Luke in season three. Yeah. Um, no, I, I actually agree with you entirely. And I want to separate the sort of like critical analysis of that choice from what I felt in okay. the moment, because I agree with you. This is the perfect opportunity to recast. And I've seen some concept art of Sebastian Stan. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that dude. Yes. Yeah. Get, get him. We all he already has a Disney contract. Just fucking. Put him in a blonde wig and he looks like, yeah. you're like, oh, yeah, I guess that would be Luke Skywalker like 10 years after Jedi. Yeah. okay. I will. I will agree. And I I agree. This is a perfect opportunity, especially because they could have like tested the waters with it and been like if people reacted poorly, be like, all right, well, we'll just bag ever showing him again. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. Oh, anyway. But yeah. But I'm just talking about the actual moment of it kind of had that couple things about it. A, just like the audacity, right? Of just like and the way that it unveiled it, I thought was very fun. And it did some of the same things that I thought that we, when we talked way back when we talked about Last Jedi, where Luke shows up on crate to fight, quote unquote, fight Kylo yeah. Ren. Um, you know, where you, you start to kind of hint, even though you could tell from the beginning if you're paying attention. But as you're watching it, you're not catching every detail. You're kind of catching details as it's like, oh, like the sand's not really changing. And like, why is this lightsaber yeah. blue? And like all these little things were here. It's just like a low next thing. It's like, well, at that point I was like, well, fuck. Well, who the hell is it going to fucking be? It's either Luke or they're trying to like red herring it a little bit. But then like, he's like, oh, he's dressed in all black. Oh, he's got a green lightsaber. Like, oh, he's wearing a glove on his one. Oh, fuck. And like, that was fun and exciting. I wish they could have like, I mean, it was cool to see him trash all those genuinely cartoony dark troopers. Yeah. But they could have done like a little bit more with that, given that especially since he had the hood down and they could have like done more with that. But that's a complaint of the show. I think in general is like the fight scenes are just like generally not very good. Yeah. Well, no. Well, I and, and, and I feel like honestly that detracted from my um, from the emotional impact of the scene for me is that the action, you know, this build up to the reveal like the action didn't feel like you could either make it like you know he's just like this incredibly badass guy kind of like vader was in rogue one or you could make it more like you know he's got like um you know maybe a little bit more mystical less kind of hands-on hacky slashy in kind of the way he was you know portrayed in the last jedi um 
to actually make the action a little bit more compelling. But as it was happening, I was just like, oh, the action's kind of generic and it's obviously fucking Luke. All right. Get on with it. You know? Yeah. Um, I guess for me, you know, part of it was just like projection of like, oh, I'm finally getting to see fucking Luke, you know, on screen at quote, you know, would be protect potentially his prime you right. know which is once again like a little disappointing that it was a little better in that way but yeah in some ways it kind of came off to me like he looked like bored yeah and to me that was partially cool because it was like these things were like fucking i mean just fighting one for the mandalorian was like a, a big lift right and he just trashes like 24 of them right and he's just like ah, eh, that was no nothing so like but like they could have done it in a cooler way if they wanted yes. to go for that effect you know especially given the sort of like somewhat arrogant way luke acted in last jedi with like brushing off his shoulder and, and stuff like you could have put a little bit of that personality in there and it would have gone a long way but all that being said it still for me was just like I, I was watching it in the morning and um typically i watch tv on my computer desk because um shay says and i'll quote stop listening i can't listen to any more screaming anime um because she doesn't realize that anime's dialogue is just always screaming but sometimes it's giggling sometimes it's giggling um, if you're but, watching the shows that we like, it's all screaming. Yes. There's other shows where it's all giggling. Yeah. So anyway, but I was watching this and when they said like, oh, it's a single X-Wing. And I was like, no fucking way. And just like, I just said that for like two minutes straight, you know, <laughs> which was kind of fun. Um, just I really just didn't think they would do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I knew it, would, it, it has to be Luke. They're not going to at this stage introduce more characters from kids shows that no one watched well not no one but you know what i mean yeah like, i guess i guess the reason that i thought and this is actually where i'm going to give and this is where i'm going to push back a little bit where you said it didn't matter or doesn't change anything yeah is that i didn't think they would do it because i'm like well if luke shows up like he's not leaving without that little guy little child right. you know so like and they're not going to want to do that with this show so like that's not going to happen. That was the only reason I kind of thought like the biggest like practical reason I thought they weren't going to do it besides, you know, the other things of just like how do they handle it? But so yeah. the fact that they did that, I'm like, I'm actually kind of like proud of them for like because I'm sure you've seen some of the memes around like a you know, popular YouTube video of just like the Mandalorian, you know, uh, formula. Right. Just like to do that thing, you got to do this thing. And oh, isn't baby Yoda cute? Like that's sort of been it for two seasons now. Yeah. And for them to sort of abandon that, I mean. Because I, I don't think it's going to be one of those things where, like, given what just happened and the gravity of that, I don't think episode one, they're going to be like, by the way, Baby Yoda's back. Like, I don't think that's what's going to happen. So they genuinely changed the show, which for me is, like, a good thing. Yeah, no, I I think it is kind of a bold move because I also think that um, without um, aging Grogu up, like, this is, they, they got all the mileage out of this relationship. You know what I right. mean? Um, you could, you know, if, if, if you, if you know, he matures and he becomes more communicative and becomes more active in the plot, you know, having his own, um, his own agency, um, it could work, but, um, that's, I mean, with the mechanics of the show and like how slowly this species is supposed to age and blah, 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 where can you go? Um, so yeah, I mean, give them credit for, you know, theoretically killing the golden goose here. But I also feel like the show did not leave on a note where I am at all interested in what's going to happen in season three. Right. It gave me nothing to think about of like, well, what comes next? You know, because in, at the end of season one, 
like, um, you know, uh, the Mandalorian, he gets his jetpack and, um, we establish Moff Gideon as this, you know, as this, you know, real threat. You've got a big bad now, and now he's got a personal vendetta against the Mandalorian and he's got the dark saber, which I guess means something. Um, and you know, we, we had this moment with the Mandalorian and, and removing the mask and how important it was and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then kind of giving up on the Mandalorian code to protect Grogu. So like, it was a lot that happened there. And then this one, it's like, okay, so, you know, the kid's safe now job done. Cool. Pack it up. It's a good, it's a good point. And, um, I will say that I said generally the fight scenes in the show are bad, which is true, but I will say the fight scene between Mando and Moff Gideon was one of the better ones. It was and decent, yeah. Apparently, I read a little thing online that said, um, God, what's the actor's name? Giancarlo Esposito. Yes. Thank you. Apparently, he broke like multiple, uh, you know, props of the Darksaber because he was just going so hard and was just like so into it. I'm like, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> just like really excited to be doing a lightsaber fight scene. So. He does strike me as that kind of actor. Yeah. Like, no, I've got to kill this guy. I've got to kill uh, Pedro, Pedro Pascal. Pascal. Yeah. What's going on here? Um, so that's cool. Um, liking him, um, as always. So, yeah, I mean, it's a good question because that was the big question because I'm sure you watched um, the post-credit scene, which yeah. I'm sure you were so excited about. Well, I was like, and, and I stuck around for because I was like, okay, now that this is how they're going to set up. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, oh, not only are you making a Boba Fett show, but you're also making it in the setting, like the the style of show I care absolutely the least about, which is a mob show. Right. <laughs> like, I hate Boba Fett and I hate mob shows. <laughs> um, and there's a lot of questioning at first before, you know, news came out about it that like, oh, is that going to be like sort of like the subtext of like the Mandalorian season three is going to be the book of Boba Fett. And it's just like going to be more of like a. We're going to shift around a little bit more. And it's like, no, it's a whole separate show separate from the Mandalorian season three. I can only imagine the Mandalorian season three is going to be about um, like Bo-Katan and that crew and like more Mandalorian stuff. And there's a kind of niceness there of just like, well, it's about it's called the Mandalorian. And like we think it's about this guy, but that's also the title of the ruler of the planet and whatever else. So but yes, I don't think they did enough to leave me. And that's why people were confused. Like, well, what comes next? Right. Like, what are we doing here? And yeah, so I actually kind of thought like that idea of like maybe taking a break from it for a little bit would have been a good idea. Maybe make a new show or whatever. Like that's one thing about streaming that you can do is just like mm, just turn into a new show. Right. Like and then he shows up every once in a while or maybe you do an anthology show with him. Who knows? Like there's a lot of options. So just to move forward is is questionable. But or or we just call it quits on this series and not next we'll do like now next year you're going to have a Boba Fett show and an Asuka Tano, Sh- Tano show and maybe this character does show up but his story you know is done for now yeah I mean I'd be happy I'm to watch fine with that <laughs> um wow I'm just bad at actors name tonight um Katie Sackoff right yeah she deserves a show of her own for a yeah, fucking change I watch her she does good she's one of the few people that I watched in that that show that like made me feel like I was watching Star Wars. Like she did a good job. Yeah, she does. A, she she does have a knack for selling Star Wars ass dialogue. Yeah, which is often very bad. Yeah, and all these kind of like B or even A tier actors that are in this show that are not that are as we talked about before, like feel anachronistic or incongruous. Yeah. Incongruous, but yeah, I watch a show about her. Fuck it. Um, 
So, but Greg, like they spent a lot of money on Mandalorian's armor, especially compared to what they spent on everyone else's armor. So they're going to try and get some more mileage out of that. So I, I have <laughs> to talk for a minute about the costumes. Okay, please do. Because I, I said it at ad nauseum, but the biggest thing about this show, besides something like just like the clunky, dumb writing and the really, really shitty fighting choreography and decisions in some of that, like I, it's the disparity the, of effects Mostly costumes, but also like, you know, settings and props and just all all kinds of stuff. It's just it's so distracting. So like I there are certain like things where like if, you know, something looks a little low budget, like I can forgive that in some cases. Um, You know, I got major Star Trek Next Generation vibes from the Boba Fett episode. Um, it just looked so much like that, like these kind of lazy, half-hearted fight scenes out in like broad daylight. And you can really see how like cheap and polyester the costumes are. Um, you know, they filmed in some park outside of L.A. and it, it just looks bad. And, um, you know, but and I can forgive a certain amount of that. But there are some things where like Boba Fett's armor looked so bad and making his armor look good would not have been expensive because, you know, there's there's some side by side shots floating around of like how his armor looked in the original trilogy and how it looks now. And his armor looked more beat up and shitty in the original trilogy than it does now. But the new one just looks cheaper and uh, more like kind of half assed. And it's like, why? This is, you know, this was this was this prop had to be sitting there. There there were reference photos, at least just out the wazoo. This would not be hard to, to reproduce. And, you know, one of the things kind of one of the geniuses of George Lucas making a new hope was, Hey, if I can't afford, you know, one of the reasons everything looks so beat up and shitty and quote unquote lived in, in episode one was because when everything looks beat up and old, you can get away with using cheaper props. Mm-hmm. Um, and how that doesn't translate now, like why it should look better. And then so there's not only that, but then there are some strange choices like and that are definitely choices. So when the Boba Fett armor is first on Timothy Oliphant's character in the first episode of the of the season, it looks fine. Um, you know, it, it's clearly, you know, they, they arrange the colors in such a way where it's very clear that. OK, this is not Boba Fett. This is this guy's wearing like a red cowboy suit and you just kind of slap Boba Fett's armor on top of it. Mm-hmm. And that's communicated very visually, very easily, very well. Um, but the colors still kind of work. The color palette still is fairly cohesive and it all kind of fits together. And you're like, OK, I get it. Um, and the armor looks like it fits him. But then when he, when Boba Fett puts it back on, he puts it on over what looks like just like, you know, like. Under Armour, <laughs> just like black polyester, you know, stuff. Um, and the color palette of the armor just completely clashes with the black stuff he's wearing under it. And the armor also looks about a size too small. Yeah, that's my biggest thing is that I actually thought that it looked too small on Timothy Oliphant. But like you said, like it wasn't his. It looks a little thrown together. That's OK. Right. But I feel like what they did was like some nerd was like, well, in the movie, in Empire Strikes Back, Boba Fett's armor was exactly, you know, however many centimeters by however many centimeters. And that's what it has to be in this. And it's like, 
No, it should fit the actor you want to have playing because it looks like once again, it looks like he just slapped on. It's like that's his armor. And like, granted, the actor is, you know, older and, you know, definitely is not the same size as the person he was in Attack of the Clones or the person who played um, Boba Fett, which actually just passed away, unfortunately. Um, Jeremy Bullock. But like when you look, I've done a lot of looking because I'm like, why does this look so shitty? And it's like on paper, it's like people just didn't look. They just read about. They're like, well, it's it's this armor over top of like fabric. It's like, okay, cool. And they just like moved on. It's like, well, the fabric that Boba Fett wears in, and it is slightly different between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Like it's, you know, it's textured. It's got this, it looks like it's, it looks like it's cloth armor, right? Like underneath of what's there. And they do the same thing for the, the, the Mandalorian of the show, right? Like they make it look like it all fits into one piece. And like I said, it just doesn't. And like, this is a, this is a character that a lot of people care a lot about for some reason. And this is a character that you're trying to build up to have their own TV show, like make them look fucking awesome. And that's the, and, and, and within this, the story of the show, right? Boba Fett, he's lost his armor for a long time and he's got, you know, he's wearing his just like normal, like desert vagabond clothes or whatever. And then he finds his armor and he slaps it on, on top. Great. Fine. I get that. But there's no reason why you as the costume designer couldn't say, Hey, we're going to, you know, Boba Fett's desert wanderer clothes are going to be in a color palette. That's going to work when he gets his armor back. Right. Right. That's not going to look out of place. It's or, not going to look like a, a a thrown together Halloween costume at the last minute. Yeah. Or at the bare minimum, if you only want to do that, you want to stick to for some reason you you can abandon a bunch of other shit in the show, but like stick to that weird plot point before the next episode. Have him like get his full gear, you know, like right. uh, let me go get Change. my gear back, kitchen slave one somewhere or whatever, and like instead they had him repaint it to make it look even worse. I'm like, oh god, what? Because yeah. like the armor itself looked like the helmet at least. Looking at, you know, when I watched it, it was like, okay, well, it looks beat up, even looks even more beat up, which is cool. Like the helmet at least looked cool. And then when they painted it, it's like, well, now this looks like a fucking costume prop. Yeah, it looks it, it looks worse. So and I'm hoping that for whatever this book of Boba Fett show is, it, they actually make it look better. But and I also want to talk a little bit about Asuka Tano, okay. um, because this was another one that um, I felt like were it was just costume design choices that seemed really there were mistakes like, you know, Asuka Tano's color palette was designed for a cartoon show. Right. And so, you know, the colors are going to be brighter. It's going to be higher contrast, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it seems like they worked really hard to replicate, like to Pantone match the, you know, the the the, the skin tone orange in the live action show with the you know, the, the skin tone orange from the cartoon. And it looked it incredibly out of place in the show. Um, it was, it was, it was jarring. Um, and you know, all they had to do was just mute that down a ton- by, by one or two tones. And I know it's, it's tricky because, you know, it's orange. And if you mute it too much, it just starts to look like a variation on a normal human skin tone. I understand this is a tricky needle to thread, but not an expensive one. <laughs> Yeah. Um, to really get that right. And also something that you have a fair amount of control over in post. Um, but also the um, and I don't know what the name of the race that Ascatano belongs to. She's a oh, actually, no, I actually uh, she's a mm. 
It doesn't matter. It'll come to me. Um, but the fact that like her head tentacles are like a different color than the rest of her skin um, is, I guess, fine within the context of the show. Um, where I, but I feel like we've seen other characters from that race who it's all one color, but that doesn't matter. But the fact that like it's so obvious that the 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 actual headpiece is where it connects to Rosario Dawson's head is obscured by a little headband and it looks costumey. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I think that the, the only thing I didn't mind the coloring so much. I actually thought that looked given all the prop, like the potential pitfalls you laid out. I actually thought the colors looked okay, especially because to, uh, Filoni that you know the per- this is the person who made the Clone Wars and Rebels and he directed that episode like he needed to make it dark like don't fucking put it in like bright daylight because it makes everything look shitty so like I thought given that context it looked her skin tone and stuff the makeup looked okay for that um I thought her head tails looked a little rough they looked a little bit fake oh well and you could see this you know you could see that these like kind of rolly seams in them kind of like right where they met her shoulders mm-hmm. where it's you can it's clearly just the foam is bending yeah and that looks cheap as fuck and um and it looks costumey and it looks bad it looks like cosplay it looks like shit you'd see at comic con not you know shit that should be on your marquee star wars show yeah and that's the thing that i'm worried about is that to take it a little broader and we can jump into the disney investors meeting announcements um which you're gonna love um shortly but like i don't know this is your this is a show that has a lot of traction a lot of leverage and people are really enjoying partially because it's not shit and therefore because it's star wars and not shit makes it amazing to some people um like just put some money into it like or 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 reallocate some of the money of it like i don't know why that i mean i know i know physical effects probably nowadays especially with the way that like john favreau likes to direct things now like they have these like they keep talking about these digital sets they use and yeah. stuff which look like garbage um but like the actual moments of cgi in the show like generally look really fucking good like when they're out in space flying around and like doing space coming I'm like this is like it's not quite as good as the movies but like it's pretty damn close like when slave one's flying around over it's like yeah that looks like slave one looks good <laughs> um i just don't know why they they it, it's just the incongruity that affects me because I can watch a shitty show like I've watched 15 seasons of super fucking natural. Like I can watch a shitty fucking show with shitty effects, but like it's all shitty. You know what I mean? It's all like B tier because they don't have the budget, but they balance it out between everything. Right. Like, you know, they the some of the makeup on the characters is bad. The CGI is bad, but they try and make up for it, you know, and just make it all consistent. And that's the just buzzer bothers me with it. It's just it's just so inconsistent. Wow. Or at the other end, like example. That's a fanboy a little bit more, Greg, but like The Expanse, like that show looks so consistent across like every step. Like I know that space CGI is easier than most things, like just because you have a black background and like mm-hmm. ships are boxy. And like, I get it. Like it's much easier to make that stuff in CGI than other things. But like all the locale, the costumes, the extras, like the co- you know, everything, the makeup, like it looks so real and lived in. And to your point, like kind of shitty because like that's how you make up for some of that stuff. And it's always a little dark and you kind of put that. I don't know what I don't know anything about film editing or developing, but like you put that like movie filter on it where everything's just like a little muted and a little bit whatever. And they just don't do that at all with this show. I'm just like, just do a couple of those things and you can make the show look much better. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. I think that there's there's some things they could do that are not expensive. Um like one of the things that, you know, a, a, a genius little trick um, 
that Neil Blomkamp uses, or at least used in his early days. Uh, that's the director of District 9 and a bunch of movies that weren't as good as District 9. Chappie. <laughs> um, is he would basically, like, when, when the CG was rendered, he would basically route it through a VHS machine and then, you know, take mm. it, tape it to VHS and then bring it back out again hmm. to put into the movie because the VHS, it just kind of smears everything a little bit and covers a lot of the fakier look of some of the CGI. So he could get away with using cheaper CGI in his movies, but it still looked okay because he had this smart idea of like, what if I just put a shitty filter on it, you know? Yeah, it I mean, just kind of smears and blurs things a little bit. Um, that's not expensive. <laughs> no, and it's almost like the same effect you get when you. Um, I I don't. I'm you know it's a point of contention in the household, but we don't have a 4K TV yet. Um, we only have a 1080p from like 10 years ago. Um, but when I go to people's houses and I'm watching like a show that's like high frame rate high resolution, like all these things, like especially a show that was not made for that, like example, I remember watching an episode of Firefly at like someone's house on 4K. I was like, holy shit, this show looks like garbage. Yeah. But that show does not look like garbage if you watch it in the format that it was originally. The CGI was like pretty solid for the time, but like because of you have to just be mindful of those things. And I think that, I don't know, it's just so bizarre that. Yeah. So there are, there are, there are, so it, it, it's things like that, but also choices like the, the Boba Fett episode shooting this thing in bright, natural sunlight. You know, you can't hide some of the cheaper elements of your costumes when you shoot that thing in broad daylight. So don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This yeah. would have been a better time for a virtual set or to shoot this daring raid at, at you know, in the evening. Yeah, totally. Um, but also it's 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 like you say, incongruities. And I, I just have to talk about like how and get back to costuming, because that's one of the things that I tune in on. But um, like the Mandalorian's costume is fucking transcendent. I mean, the the color palette of these incredibly deep, cool blues, blacks and browns against this mirror polished uh, armor that is, but also, you know, the silhouette, the proportions, the way his cape sits on his shoulders, it is glorious. I mean, the, 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 the way that costume is composed and fitted to Pedro Pascal. And then you put that up next to that fucking spirit Halloween ass looking Boba Fett. <laughs> it's like it, it, it looks like somebody won a contest to wear their cosplay on the Mandalorian. Like it's just like you have to know better than this. You can't put these two things side by side. It's going to look awful. Yeah. And even compared to the other Mandalorians like Bo-Katan and, and her crew, like those costumes look good. Like yeah. not, not, not as glorious as the Mandalorians to your no. point, but like they look like they fit in that universe where like Boba Fett's just like, what are we doing here? Yeah. And even like um, Cara Dunes is like a little bit cosplay too, I feel like at points. But yeah, I, I, I was I've been very disappointed in the costumes for her in grief this season because they look a lot cheaper, but also they're very clearly like doing like action figure color coding on them (laughs) where she's got this kind of turquoise cyan shade that are the accents on hers. And then he's got these red shades that are accents on his. And it's just like, ew, that's not, yeah, it it, it looks action figurey and that's not great. 
But here's my bigger concern, Greg, and we can move into this stuff is that, you know, and, and overall, I did like this season. I think that it was probably enjoyed it slightly more than last season. Um, I really liked it. It's, it's, for me, it's like episode by episode. Like, I really enjoyed the episode with the other Mandalorians. But you, you initially meet Bo-Katan and those folks. I enjoyed the Ahsoka episode. I enjoyed, surprisingly, I was shocked, the Bill Burr episode. I really yeah, enjoyed it. It was good. Um, it had, like, feelings and thoughts and yeah. things. And I was like. I don't think I mean, this is the last character I thought you should bring back in the show. And I was like, oh, actually, that was pretty good. And then the finale was like pretty solid overall. Yeah. Um, those are kind of like my standout episodes, at least. I Yeah. I, I mean, I think that it definitely had more forward forward momentum than season one, which I appreciated. Although it took me a week to finish the first episode. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Seriously, we are opening this show with a fucking, you know, cowboy rolls into town and patches things up between the settlers and the natives like fucking seriously um i only liked it i i didn't love that episode but i just watched it because i mean timmy timothy olfense a, a fucking stud so oh yeah i mean I, yeah it, it's i'm i'm gonna get there but i was just like oh this is not you know you gotta you know we, we should have hit the ground running here but um yeah. Yeah. So here's my concern, Greg. Uh-huh. We have all these announcements about all the shows that mm-hmm. are being done by Disney. And I'm going to assume I don't want to conflate this, the Lucasfilm and the Marvel Studios stuff because like they are two very different distinct studios that operate under Disney. So I, I don't want to com- conflate my concerns, although it does present itself. And it also factors into another point of, you know, we'll get to later about the economy of media. But um I'm just worried that like because the Mandalorian is like undoubtedly a massive success, there's no incentive for them to fix any of this shit. Like they don't and like I'm not really interested in 10 Star Wars shows that are of the same quality disparity of I'm not sure I'm interested in 10 Star Wars shows in general, but I'm not interested in 10 Star Wars shows that are like the quality disparity of the Mandalorian is my biggest concern. And if they can just be like, well, we can just like take this budget and take this style and just make 10 more shows of it. Like I'm worried about that. Oh, it's going to be bad. <laughs> like, um, I, I it's they're going to be bad. And honestly, um, I don't think it's possible for any of these anybody on this team, with the exception of maybe Taika Waititi, is going to make me feel anything within the Star Wars universe again. Because right. um, I'll be honest with you, um, when they brought Luke Skywalker back in uh, in this episode. Luke Skywalker, green lightsaber, Return of the Jedi, Luke Skywalker showing up in this. I felt nothing. It was a pale, pale shadow of what I felt, you know, watching him in Last Jedi. And I'm like, if you guys can't get me with that, I don't know that you're going to get me with anything at this point. Right. Um, And there aren't any characters left in Star Wars that I genuinely care about or am interested in their stories. Um, and the fact that like, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, seeing Admiral Thrawn, I hear he's a cool dude and I hear Asuka Tano's like a classic character that everybody loves. I have no experience with her other than this one episode. Like, yeah, that could be neat. But because I know what the state of the Star Wars galaxy is for the next 30 in universe years. eh? Well, um, I, I, I want to get there. Uh, because I just got a push notification on my phone that I glanced at that is additional context. I think is going to be very interesting, but, but we're going to leave it to surprise you at the end. Cause my, fucking news. my initial idea of going over the Disney investors meeting, cause it's just way too much to fucking analyze each one was going to be a, a lightning round with you of, you were going to say like, 
Um, I was going to give you or my category is going to be like, yes, <laughs> meh <laughs> or pass. But then I was kind of like, well, Grace is going to say pass to everything. So uh, like, not Moon Knight. I am curious about Moon Knight. <laughs> so I guess I'm just going to like list off what's coming and then maybe we can just briefly chat about each one. Or do you think you could, you know, turn Greg down two notches and, and go through it like lightning round? What's your choice here? I can do a lightning round. Your categories are yes, meh and pass. Yeah. Um, pass meaning like I'm definitely not going to watch it. I'm going to say um or we could maybe add a fourth category if like hard passes. I guess I mean I guess for me it's it's a it's possible this won't be dumb. <laughs> okay. There's a yeah. So I guess potential is is where I'll Okay, is, you can potential, define your own no categories potential. if you want. I don't even That's care. That's my those are my categories. And you can be in in inconsistent if you want um but there's like 30 things to talk about so all right uh we'll start with star wars mm-hmm. obi-wan kenobi no potential okay with for listeners with hayden christensen returning as Darth Vader, because why i don't fucking know less potential <laughs> rangers of the new republic i don't even know what that what those words mean uh filoni and favreau set in the time period you know mandalorian rough time period <sighs> about i guess probably like Maybe a Cara Dune, I don't know, or like something like her or something like that. I don't know. I, I do. I am not interested in a Cara Dune show. That's for sure. Okay. Ahsoka. Potential. Um, Andor. Uh, the, the worst part of Rogue One? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, sign me up. <laughs> uh, Lando. Potential. I don't think they're getting Donald Glover back, are they? They haven't said. I kind of feel like if they were, they would have announced that, but it's I also pretty early. Like, yeah. Um, because there's another casting thing we'll get to later that they didn't announce, but it's been pretty rumored. So I kind of feel like they wouldn't be doing it if they couldn't, because I don't think they want to like recast them a third time. But I well, but I also feel like that might that might be part of the ongoing negotiations with him mm. is I think that maybe by this is one of those things where they might be negotiating in the press a little bit like they're hoping to get some, you know, listicles on BuzzFeed of 13 reasons why Donald Glover needs to be in the uh, Lando series, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't actually put out an album and hasn't besides, you know, I don't know. But anyway, um, I guess it depends on when they said it. Like if they said it later, they could recast as someone older, I guess. But it seems like a bad choice to me. All right. The Acolyte. Do we know? Do, we, do I know anything about it other than that? Uh, it's going to be set in this new setting they're calling the High Republic, which takes place like pre prequels in the height of like the Jedi and whatever. Yeah. They're trying to do like a big multimedia push for like a bunch of books and comics and yeah, a show I, I, maybe a game. Not terribly interested in that timeline. Oh, I guess I should be doing mine too. Um, I have yeah. go back. Obi Wan Kenobi is mm, as much as I want to see Ewan McGregor back as Obi Wan. That's cool. Besides that, pass. Rangers of the Republic, maybe. I had to learn more about it. Ahsoka, that's a not interested for me until really? maybe I watch Clone Wars and Rebels because I don't know who that character is or care. Huh. Um, but even just based on what you saw in The Mandalorian, you're... you're yeah, I mean, I'm interested in her tracking down Grand, Grand Admiral Thrawn, but once again, I don't know what this version of Thrawn looks like compared to what my version of Thrawn looks like. Right. Um, also, I kind of want Thrawn to be like a thing later. Like, I, he's enough for a movie for me. I don't... I mean... Ah, uh, okay. But it's fine. Um, Andor is... I'm a man on that. Like he wasn't terrible for me. Um, I kind of liked the grittiness that he, that we saw all of that in that universe, but I'm not sure. Lando, if they get Donald Glover, in, if not pass, um, the accolade potential, because it's just so far away from anything else. We know that like, it could be interesting because of that, but not sure. Um, okay. Now I'm caught up a droid story. <laughs> uh, uh, no, <laughs> I'm a maybe just because I feel like, 
the droids are, and I think it's specifically C-3PO and R2-D2, like, they're really, like, important part of the first six movies, and they just completely ignore them in the latter three or make them garbage characters. So I'm kind of like, could they redeem them? I don't know. It's probably for kids, though. Gonna yeah. Probably a pass. I kind of need characters that are capable of emoting. Yeah. Um, Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> uh, I... I don't think you could pay me to watch that show. Um, I am not interested only because I don't fully understand the after credit scenes. I don't know why Boba Fett would give a shit about taking over like a crime empire. Doesn't really seem like his jam. Then again, it's a character we actually know basically nothing about. Like we got more character development in, you know, the Mandalorian than we have ever prior to this. Um, besides in the old expanded universe, but who knows what version of his character that is. Um, Mandalorian season three. Uh, I, I mean, I feel like we, we said like, I, I don't know that there's a lot of juice left in this orange. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I kind of like Bo-Katan and I like Moff Gideon. So, and obviously, you know, Mandalorian likes so like, I'm going to give it a shot and reward a show for doing something different. Like not just yeah. sticking to the formula. Uh, okay. Uh, Patty Jenkins, Rogue Squadron movie. Um, that's a, that's a pass for me. That's probably the one actually out of all these I'm most excited oh, for. Oh yeah. I, I, I saw that on the list and I was like, <laughs> yeah, this is, this is Andrew's shit right here. Um, I don't really have a lot of strong feelings about Patty Jenkins. I guess I'll watch. I just picked up HBO Max today actually. So I guess I'll watch Wonder Woman 1984 when it comes out, I guess. Um, I liked the first Wonder Woman until the end, which she just said recently in interviews that the studio mandated her to do that at the end. So at the last minute, that's why it sucked. I'm like. That makes a lot more sense. So, um, and like apparently her dad was like a fighter pilot. So I'm like, she seems really interested in this. And she said she was reading the books. So I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> also, that's the next Star Wars movie, December 2023. Um, and then the last two things are, like you mentioned, the Taika Waititi Star Wars film. Uh, I mean, do we know anything about it other than the fact that he's doing it? Nope. I mean, that's interesting enough for me, but... Uh... Uh, yeah, it, there's a lot of ways this could go wrong. <laughs> gotcha. I'm yeah. I mean, I I'm curious to see what would happen. He seems like he makes good stuff generally, like without a doubt. Um, I kind of yeah. want to I probably save my judgment to see how this new suicide suicide squad movie is, because if he can salvage that, he can probably salvage anything. Wait, he's not. Yeah. Oh, sorry. It's James Gunn. I'm yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry. I'm an idiot. Um, yeah, that was my mistake. Sorry. Um. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I would think it would it would be his first miss. Yeah. Um, um, all right. And then the last one, Greg, is breaking news is that, well, this is also like it's a rumor, but it seems like judging, judging from the site and the way they're talking about it. Lucasfilm is in the early stages of developing a Luke Skywalker series. Pa- pass. <laughs> I, I don't care. I this makes our previous confusion about like this is the chance to recast even more confusing because if that's in the fucking works like this is the time to do the recast. Yeah. Well, unless they're not ready to commit, you know. True. So I'd be um, I'd be interested in that. I obviously have to cast well. Um, but sort of like what Luke was up to during you know between you know Jedi and the new stuff is interesting to me that's always been an interest of mine and like reviving the jedi order and this kind of thing like i could see a show of him and baby yoda tromping around like that could be fun but um 
I don't know. It, once again, it's hard because it all leads to shit. So that's the problem with Star Wars in general. But I, I just feel like I got there to, for me personally. Like, I don't know. I, I've seen all I need to see from Luke. You know, I see where he's at at the end of Return of the Jedi. And then I see where he's at in The Last Jedi. And I'm, it's like, that's it. The, mm. the book is closed. Like what happens in between? It's It's kind of sketched out. You know, he he tries to set up the temple, but then things get fucked up when Ben Solo gets involved and then he goes into hiding, you know? Yeah, I, I, I guess I, I just, could see him. I, I guess I could. The thing I would like that would help me, I think, make in any way to try and improve sort of the much in the way that the books and the comics and I guess the TV shows help to sort of like make the prequels less shitty to my, you know, kid teenage eyes is like. I'm not sure I want that for this because I'm just so mad about it. But if it could like if I could get a little more of like Luke succeeding, you know, Luke at his prime and then it would make. And also that's why the Rangers of the New Republic show is like show me reason to care about the New Republic. And so what happens in seven, eight, nine, like has more meaning. Um, both of those things could help. But yeah, I, I just I mean, I feel like the I mean, like Luke at his like we saw Luke at his prime in like that's that's jedi you know that he's at the he's he's at the peak of his powers he's and he um in 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 and in the in in the um in the course of return of the jedi he he achieves a, a, a spiritual completeness right like he he overcomes uh the 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 pull to the dark side you know he he finds you know, he finds the, the, the goodness within himself. He redeems. No, he doesn't redeem his father, but he, you know, he makes peace with his father and with what elements of his father he carries with him. Like his character arc is complete at that point. Like he's I, I don't know what what's left for him until his fall that we see in flashbacks in The Last Jedi. Um, and then and then his his redemption again. Uh I mean, I, I guess I would you might be able to fill in a hole of just like how like because it never really computed for me of that. You know, Luke Skywalker has this moment of weakness and then he has this failure at the temple and then he completely gives up on everything until he spends like a weekend with a stranger and then decides he wants to redeem his nephew again. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. Like that all seems kind of herky jerky, but I don't know that you can fill that gap in, you know, because he has his moment of weakness and then his moment of disillusionment. And then he and and then we're to assume he just fucks off to island world, you know, mm -hmm. and, and and sits there meditating for or not meditating, I guess, uh, for for 20 years or yeah. however long, you know, I, I just I don't know what I I. I I feel like the, the, the holes in the story are very small right now. Yeah, I mean, I guess this would all take place before the temple, right? Like before the before Kylo Ren and, and shit goes bad. But yeah, I, I'm curious. I, this is where this is where I get upset. And I, I think that as much as I think that I do think the use of the original cast in seven and eight was like pretty good. Yes. Nine, not so much, but Oof. nine is terrible in every way. So, however, I think that for Lucasfilm and Disney to walk it back now and recast, because they recast Luke and have him doing shit, like you say he's not going to like bump into Leia or bump into, like it just seems really weird to me. And it's going to feel like 
you know, just like, oh, well, you know, Superman had to go over there like this weekend. Like, you know, like he's just like always just missing them. And I just feel like we could have gone back to 2012 and just been like, hey, we're going to make a Star Wars trilogy and we're going to recast the original cast. And that's what it's going to be. And like to to not do that and then go back and do it later feels crummy. Because yeah, now you're boxed I, into this weird fucking uh, in between period. To your point, where like we know what happens now, where they could have just made a sequel trilogy that takes place six, ten years later in this time period. The Mandalorian takes place, and with a re, with a recasted group, and we could have continued Star Wars as opposed to having to like, well, because they're this age, we need to make it this many years later, and blah blah blah, and like. I don't know. I just feel like, once again, missed opportunity. But Yeah, uh, huge missed opportunities. I don't mind. I mean, I don't mind casting. Like, I don't mind the idea of different actors playing the same character in different movies. And, you know, if you're going to make some Luke Skywalker shit that happens between episodes, uh, you know, um, six and eight, and it's a new actor, even though it's Mark Hamill again in episode, I don't care. No, I, I don't I don't care about that. But the fact that they're now boxed into the story of seven, eight, nine means that yeah, all I that would... time with those characters is now right. Effectively, like to your point, like you don't care because you know what happens to them. Right. And there's, there's not a lot of holes to fill. So um, which is why. And, and this is one of the things that I don't understand that, um, you know, Star Trek has the same problem. Why don't we do like why don't we move the timeline forward? Yeah, like, like all show these shows. Me some what happens next? All these shows and movies we just described all take place in between things. Most yes. of them take place between six and seven. A couple take place between three and four, and the acolyte takes place in past. Which is, in some ways, you go far enough back, it's almost like moving the story forward. Like you can have a compelling story because you're so disconnected. It's a couple hundred years makes a big difference, right? Which is why I'm partially interested. But um, yeah, like. Why can't we have a show that takes place after after nine? Let's move forward. And then maybe we could actually I would feel better about that. Cause it's like, well, just like the prequels, it's like, well, they're shitty, but like it doesn't affect all the stuff that happens in the old EU for me after Return of the Jedi. It's like the prequels have no bearing on that. So I don't fucking care. Like I can go read about Luke and Leia and Han and whatever else and like enjoy myself. And it's fine. We're now in this setting everything between six and seven it's like cool and where are they going to subtly reference that palpatine's being resurrected i wonder when that's going to happen fuck kill me <laughs> yeah it's it's um or like let's let's jump ahead let's see what ray does next yeah you know let's move forward um because i'm i'm more curious about the state of the universe neck the next state of the universe because you could just start over again and kind of pretend that the you know seven eight and nine didn't happen but yeah um totally. i think that it's it's you know they don't want to take risks on new characters mm-hmm. yeah you're right but um <sighs> yeah so okay star wars palette cleanser before moving to marvel <sighs> we're just getting started greg good god um, willow wait willow like they're making a willow series like the movie which i never watched did wait, you ever watch it you mean Warwick Davis. Yeah. Val Kilmer Willow. Yeah. I honestly don't know if I have ever seen Willow all the way through. Okay. I will watch um, it. I think we should watch it sometime and talk about I, it. it. It's one of those that like I feel like when I was a kid and Willow was like a big deal and I was like very interested in Willow, but it was also like that movie is too old for you. Mm. <laughs> and then I never got around to seeing Willow. Um, but we should probably watch Willow. I think we should. It falls into that. We talked about before about doing those like, you know, dark 80s children's movies and then also it's 
now relevant. So yeah, they is down Swillow and with Warwick Davis returning. I don't think Val Kilmer's returning, but no, Val Kilmer probably won't be returning. Sadly, <laughs> um, interesting. I, I mean that that could be something. Yeah. I always feel like Willow was. I feel like a little underappreciated. But I also feel like the world was pretty well developed. I think there was a sequel novel that I read half of. <laughs> I might be wrong about that. Great. We are um, such opposites sometimes. It's so funny. Like you always like not always, but frequently be like, oh, I watched half that or I, you know, read one of those books. And I'm just like, I got to read all of it. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I will walk right the fuck away from something. <laughs> um, OK, next one. Indiana Jones 5. Nope. Nope. Nuke it from orbit. Even nope. being no. directed by James Mangold? No. Okay. I'm no. Just, I, I want to make sure you know. Because look, um, Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade is fine. That's a That was a fine ending to the Indiana Jones story in as much as you need one. Um, also, the, the, the kind of weird bookends to the uh, Young Indiana Jones series that was on TV in the 90s. Um, with River Phoenix as the young Indiana Jones? Yeah, that's right. Because um, he played the young Indiana Jones in Last Crusade, in the flashback scene in Last Crusade. Um, but also, look, and just like you don't have Han Solo without Harrison Ford, you don't have Indiana Jones without Harrison Ford. And I understand Harrison Ford might be playing Indiana Jones again, but he he's... Look, he phoned in Han Solo. He's going to phone in Indiana Jones. That mm. dude is not putting in his best work anymore. I, I just thought, I mean, like, it's like if you told me that, like, Sean Connery, you know, uh, rest in power, King, uh, you know, um, was going to come back for one last, you know, Indiana Jones after League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, not Indiana Jones, James Bond. I'd be like, fuck no, man. He doesn't have it anymore. He's not, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I feel, I mean, I feel the same way. Like, part of me is like, man, if James Mango can you know, harness some of that Logan energy and put Indiana Jones. And I feel like Harrison Ford likes Indiana Jones more. He likes Han Solo. So like maybe he'd try a little bit harder, but yeah, still but just like, I just, I don't think there's anything to do here. But Hugh Jackman, you know, is, is still a relatively like hungry actor. Mm -hmm. And I do think that Hugh Jackman like cared about the, you know, he was still at a phase in his career where he like, he really wanted to do justice to the, to the Wolverine character. I don't think Harrison Ford has that relationship with Indiana Jones anymore. And again, last crusade is a great ending to that series as much as it needs an ending. It was yeah. always supposed to be a weird, like in the same way that star Wars was this kind of tribute to like movie serials. So was Indiana Jones. Like it was mm -hmm. always, it was never really meant to feel like, oh, this is a series with a beginning and an end. It's just like these are random adventures of this character because it it's this throwback to an earlier age where you would just go to the movies and see like episode 14 of some long running series, you know? Yeah. And all the characters are well established and it's just all happening. And, and like, I don't fuck. No, we do not need an Indiana Jones five. We didn't need a four. And yeah. five is not going to make up for the mistakes of four. <laughs> I doubt it. I'm going to leave like a 5% chance, but I doubt it. I agree with you. Okay. Ready for Marvel? Yeah. Lightning sure. round? And I'm going to include things that we already know, but I'm just it's all in one big batch now. So, WandaVision. Uh, the more I see, the less excited I am, but it does look like it's going places and trying things. So, I, I, I will definitely watch a couple episodes. I'll give it a chance. Okay. Falcon Winter Soldier. Never. <laughs> Loki. Uh... 
I mean, he's fun to watch in the movies, but I don't know if I'd enjoy him as a central character. And also, um, uh, he just seems too powerful to be an interesting central character, you know? Mm-hmm. The Did you watch like the little like sizzle reel trailer thing for it? I did not. Oh, okay. You should watch that then. But um, it had me more intrigued because at first I was kind of just like, nah, this is just going to be like low-key fan service because people love him. But it kind of seems as if it's like this. It feels very reminiscent of like the... um. I forget what they're called, but the sort of like bad guys in the umbrella Academy, like the time traveling cops, uh-huh. like basically it seems like he's working for like one of those kind of organizations. Which I'm like, I'm always kind of down for that. Like, that seems fun. Um, they kind of described it as almost like a procedural. So like, that would be kind of interesting to see how they make that work. But I, there's also something about the Loki character that I wonder if he works as a, like as a protagonist or a point of view character is that like his whole nature of being like tricky and like he's always got one little plot twist up his sleeve. Mm-hmm. I don't know how well that works if he's the focus character, right? Because don't we kind of always have to know what trick he has up his sleeve if we're like with his point of view? Do you know yeah, what I mean? That's the question. Um, I I also think I'm also like way less interested in the Loki immediately like post Avengers than I am in the Loki that like we see in Thor Ragnarok or before his death in Infinity War, you know, like. That character was a lot more straightforward before the more developed um, progression that we see in like even Thor 2 and then into Thor Ragnarok and, and subsequent movies. And, so and and Loki as a as a mythic figure, like if you go back to like the original, like, you know, the original, you know, s- stories, you know, from the um, the Eddas, like when Loki is the central character, a lot of times, you know, He's always, you know, doing these schemes, but a lot of times he's fucking up. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a little bit of like, he's kind of like Wiley e. Coyote in the originals. <laughs> so like, um, but that's not the way he is in the Marvel movies. You know, he's always kind of two steps ahead and usually comes out on top. So there was a comedic aspect to the, to the original mythic Loki where, you know, he would always, he was always just a little too clever for his own good. And it was kind of funny. Um, so when you followed him on his schemes, like you would kind of see as you're, you know, hearing the story of like, oh, I see where he's going to, I see the problem here. I see Mm -hmm. how he's going to fuck this up. And then it kind of pays off. Right. I I don't know that the Marvel Loki is going to do that. So again, I don't know how you make it work where he's the protagonist and not just, you know, he gets to do the deus ex machina stuff because you're following Thor, you know? Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay. Um, the animated what if kind of serial show or an episodic show. I kind of need to see how weird they're going to get with it. Yeah. The the little trailer they portray looked pretty cool and the animation style is like different. Um and I guess they got a lot of like the vo- like the people to actually do their voices which is kind of cool. They said Chadwick Boseman recorded like four episodes so like that's huh. kind of cool. Um Miss Marvel. I I don't think that's for me. Yeah. I don't think that's for me either. I'll watch it but it's probably not targeted at me. Your favorite Hawkeye. Um, no, it's not possible. (laughs) What, what secrets does Jeremy Renner have on whom? (laughs) How does this guy keep getting work? I like Jeremy Renner. I don't understand. I don't I I do not understand the appeal. I do not understand why people keep giving him chances. (laughs) Um, I do not. I, 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 I heard just the other day that apparently the reason he got brought into the Mission Impossible movies is because Tom Cruise knew that Tom Cruise's, you know, clock as a, you know, um, as a leading man action star was ticking. 
And Tom Cruise being the smart industry guy he is, he knew he needed to kind of like start recruiting and training his replacement. And, you know, Tom Cruise is a problematic guy in a lot of ways, but he is incredibly smart as a Hollywood guy. Um, And how the hell he thought, oh, yeah, this guy, Jeremy Renner, he's going to be the next me. I I don't know what fucking reality I live in. (laughs) Yeah, that's weird. That's like that's like that's like the rock thinking that the next rock is going to be, I don't know, John Mulaney. I don't it's, it's just what are we doing? <laughs> OK, so pass. Um, She-Hulk. I could I if you give me a, a, a She-Hulk show that is 75 percent courtroom, I am in. They said it's going to be a, a, a legal comedy. Yes. Although Mark I'm, Ruffalo and um, what's his face that played Abomination and Incredible Hulk are both returning. Oh, uh. Toth? What's his first name? Like, um, Abomination in the Ed Norton version. Yes. Uh, yeah. Roth. Tim Roth. Tim Roth, yep. Good. Yeah. He's creepy. Yeah. I wonder if they won't also bring back the guy they kind of set up to be the leader, uh, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, Moon Knight? Uh, yep. I'm, I'm down for a hero who might be crazy. Not confirmed that Oscar Isaac is playing him, but I'm down for that. He seems fine. Apparently, Oscar Isaac is going to play Solid Snake in the Metal Gear movie. Yes, he's very hot right now. Uh, um, speaking of movies that do not need to be made. but Well, the games are basically a big movie anyway, right? But. Yeah, but they don't make any fucking sense. True. I've watched the Donkey video. <laughs> I love Metal Gear, but they don't make a lick of fucking sense. And that's kind of the point. The only person who could make a Metal Gear movie is David Lynch. And he's not going to do it. Although he is making a new TV show, so that's just going to be my year, I think, <laughs> whatever he's doing. Um, Secret Invasion show with Sam Jackson? Eh. Ironheart? Eh. Eh. <laughs> Armor Wars? Eh. This is one that I'm interested in because I feel like Don Cheeto as War Machine has been, like, kind of underused. Sure. And I, like both Don Cheadle and War Machine a lot. And I have not read this comic, but apparently Armor Wars is one of like Iron Man's best, most well-known sort of story arcs. And basically just going to swap in War Machine for Iron Man in it. And I'm like, I'll watch Don Cheadle blow some shit up for like 10 hours. Like, hell yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. There's potential there, but I also feel like whatever magic was in the original Guardians of the Galaxy might have disappeared. Gotcha. James Gunn did say when he made the announcement that he is an unabashed, unironic fan of the Star Wars holiday special. Impossible. He's a liar. <laughs> um, all right. So then we get into the movies. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania with Kang as the villain. You know, I actually enjoyed the one Ant-Man movie I saw. You so, should watch Ant-Man and the Wasp. It's it's on Netflix. That, I right? think that's the one I saw. I think I saw the sequel. Not oh, the, you didn't see the original? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I could I could be compelled. I, th- there's enough weirdness plus Paul Rudd plus some good action. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer and everyone's back. So, yeah. 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 Whatever that is. Um, and Quantumania is such a great name for a sequel. Yeah. Um, well, we talked about Black Widow um, at Nauseam. And I believe we've kind of talked about, but we'll just move through real quickly. Uh, Shang-Chi. Um, it's been a long time since I've seen a really good Kung Fu movie. If this can do really good Kung Fu, I might be interested, but uh, I, I don't know nearly enough about it. Yeah. 
Eternals? Um, I mean, the Jack Kirby should be pretty strong with it, but I, uh, it's another one I really don't know enough about it. Yeah. The cast is great. That's the only thing I have going for right now. Is yeah. That the cast is really good. Um, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. I, yes, I, I, I feel like the first Doctor Strange had a lot of potential. Um, I think that they could, if they, if they sand off a lot of the edges from the first Doctor Strange, then things are looking good. Um, Get some Sam Raimi weirdness in there too. Is he involved? He's the director. No shit. Well, they, because they, the other guy left, so they brought in Sam Raimi in. Um, so that, that could go well. Plus the, um, the title is a very clear, uh, you know, dog whistle to, you know, Lovecraft nerds like me. Right. So I hear you, Sam. Saying the um, word dog whistle with in context of Lovecraft is probably problematic, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he came from a day where you where dog whistling was not on the like, why? Why would you do that? We're in charge. I'm just, <laughs> just regular word all the time. It's just regular um, whistles. No. Uh, yeah. So and if. Raimi, if Raimi leans harder into his uh, horror background, his kind of camp horror background, that could be really good. I worry, though, that Sam Raimi might have forgotten how to make a good movie. Yeah. Um, although I did hear that one kind of campy horror movie he made many years back. Not many years, but like more recently was not bad. Uh, I mean, what was the last thing he like actually directed? Walk with me to hell. No, what was it? Drag, me, Drag to me, to me to hell. That's what it was. Yeah. I heard that was like kind of a sleeper. Yeah, underrated. Uh, it was it was actually a kind of a a little bit of a. Uh, I don't think I've actually seen it, but um, uh, you know how like almost all horror movies now, like the monster is a metaphor for mm-hmm. something. Yeah, like this was actually one of the kind of the an early forerunner of that because the the monster is a, a pretty clear metaphor for an eating disorder. Mm, interesting. Um, uh, and now that's what everybody does, you know. Yeah. It's, it's you know, uh, it's not just a crazy man who wants to stab sexy teens. Yeah. Okay. Um, and just for preference, um, Elizabeth Olsen has been confirmed to be on that as, and they said that WandaVision is going to lead kind of right into that from a story into, perspective, into Doctor Strange, Multiverse sure. of Madness, and that she's going to be in it as well. So I'm, I'm guessing she's going to break some shit in this show, and then Doctor Strange is going to fucking clean it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, yeah. So, okay, Thor, Love and Thunder. Yep, yep, fine. Taika Waititi's making another Thor movie, and Natalie Portman's Thor. Good. <laughs> yeah, I'm all into this one. Fucking, they announced Christian Bale's the villain, and... Really? Yeah, he's playing some guy I don't know, but apparently he's a pretty cool villain. Fine. He just wants to kill all the gods. And, yeah, Natalie Portman's Thor. I just watched Black Swan for the first time um, yeah. last week, which was weird. Um, But, and also, I guess some of the Guardians are going to be in it, too. So... I- I gotta sure. say, I would, I'm, I'm, I would love to see Christian Bale play a villain again. Yeah. I mean, look, I understand, you know, that, that, you know, he was, there, there was some value to him being Batman, but then I think, uh, um, he, he's a bad guy. He needs to be a bad guy. Yeah. That's probably the one I'd say I'm, I'm most excited for, um, yeah. on this list. Um, all right. These ones are Black Panther 2. Um, I'm curious because, you know, with Chadwick Boseman being, you know, departed. Um, but I'm also not sure that, look, you're not going to get the same triumphant feeling again from Black Panther. Black, Black Panther being the first of its kind in a lot of ways. Like, mm-hmm. you can't, it's not going to be the first again. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure what movie you make that, okay, now that we've broken the, 
that barrier, not only metatextually, right, but also within the context of the of the show, right? Now Wakanda's out in the open and you don't have T'Challa as your Black Panther. Like there's a lot of what the fuck is this movie even questions. So I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, the sequencing I didn't write down for some of these. I'm curious to see, like, you know, are certain things in the universe going to be, you know, could lead to some interesting sequencing of the movies, but I don't remember the exact. Um, I don't they've actually fully announced all the release dates for all these yet either, but um, I agree with you. I mean, it's really interesting to see how they handle it. Um, they did say they are definitely not recasting and, um, you know, he's just going to be, I, I'm really curious to see both in universe and sort of like out of universe, how they, how they handle it all. It's very sad. Um, Captain Marvel two, which uh, has been confirmed to have both the girl playing Miss Marvel and the woman playing, um, Monica Rambeau, which is a different version of Miss or Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel, I guess. Um, and she's in the WandaVision show. Uh, what was her superhero name? I'm fucking blanking. Uh, Daystar. Yeah, that's what it was. Photon and Pulsar. A bunch of sci-fi shit, but she's also in it. So for reference. Uh, it, 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 that's a hard sell for me. Yeah. I got to be honest. I, I'm not terribly invested in the Captain Marvel character because I don't feel like I don't feel like they ever really delivered on it. Mm-hmm. in either in her movie or in infinity war so i'm just not uh, yeah yeah um i agree with you i think i'm curious to see if they can do better i'm blanking on who's directing it but i remember feeling more confident that they were doing it but um hopefully they can give a little more definition to that character and, and deliver a little more guardians 3 and same answer for holiday special gotcha um and the last two ones that have the least information but are probably the most interesting we talked about a little more blade um, I gotta say that feels like kind of a hard pass for me. Really? Yeah, man. Those first two Blade movies are fucking perfect. I don't need more Blade. <laughs> they got it. <laughs> the third one is awful, but the first two are really good. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see um Mahershala Ali in the role, but I'm I'm really curious how they position it in the Marvel universe at this point because it seems like it's a weird fit. It is a weird fit. Like Blade works in a in in a in a world that's fucking overrun by vampires. <laughs> <laughs> like it would have worked. I think. I mean, people talked about it, and like maybe there. And there's a lot of talk about. I'm hearing a lot of rumors now about different actors from like the Marvel, the Netflix stuff. Like it would have fit. I think in that sort of tone. Or it would have absolutely. It would have fit fit in perfectly with like the, the the Marvel Daredevil universe. You know, where all of a sudden there's like maybe two dozen vampires running around New York because mm-hmm. of something that happened with Thanos. I don't give a shit. You're like, OK. And he's hunting them. Cool. I get it. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. But I don't need another Blade movie. I don't know. And and, and the, the, those first two are so good and so unique. It's like, I just I don't feel like you want to mix these, you know? Yeah. Um, and we unless, talk about unless unless. Uh, he's the whole movie is just him murdering um, uh, Jared Leto's Morbius <laughs> because I, I I mean I, I'm sure Jared Leto is a lovely man but I I don't think he is I think he's kind he, of an asshole I, I I hear that I hear he's he's kind of trying his hand at being a cult leader um, and he does seem like quite a dick uh, sexually harassing his his uh, co-workers on Suicide Squad um, under the guise of being a method actor. Uh, but uh, no, he seems like a shithead from everything I've read. Um, 
But uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind just seeing uh, Blade murder him for a movie. Yeah, but I, I don't think I'm going to get that. Out at some point. Uh, must it? Um, we talked about Fantastic Four a lot, so we don't need to probably spend any time on that. Yeah, um, that, there's there's potential there, but there's also a lot of whatever the opposite of potential is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do. So the I'm blanking on his name as well. The guy who directed this is directing the Spider Man trilogy is directing that. Um, the most recent Spider Man trilogy. Mark Webb, right? He, no, that way he did the uh, he did the shitty one. Did he? Yeah. Um. John Watts. Oh, okay. Yeah. So John Watts is directing it. So, I mean, so far, both Spider-Man movies I've enjoyed. Yeah, Um, they've been decent. And speaking of, this isn't part of the Disney stuff, but since we're talking about Marvel, have you heard, we've talked, you know, we we briefly touched on the fact that, you know, they announced that uh, Jimmy Fox was reprising Electro in the third Spider-Man film. Um and now Alfred Molina's back as Dr. Octopus. Yep. And there is a lot of rumors that Toby oh, Maguire. The Toby Maguire announcement is around the corner. Yeah. Kirsten Dunst, William Defoe, Willem Defoe are all back. Allegedly. There is a lot of rumors now about Charlie Cox playing Daredevil. There's. I like, thought that was confirmed. Was it? I, I, I don't, I don't know what's that. like what's rumors and what's not anymore. Dr. Strange is definitely in it for sure. Um, this movie sounds bonkers. <laughs> and I'm nervous, but also like very curious. I don't. I mean, there is a nostalgia factor here. I'd like to see some of these characters on the big screen again, especially if I get like an actual time shifted Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Like, I, I, I'd be curious to see how that turns out. But um, I feel like we got all of the everything we're going to get from a Spider-Verse movie where we're hopping realities and seeing different versions of Spider-Man. We got that from Into the Spider-Verse. Mm hmm. Like, I feel like the emotional core of that story is finding the Spider-Man you want to be and, and and being the best Spider-Man and not being anybody else's Spider-Man. And that 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 was good. Into the Spider-Verse is great. I don't know how you deal with a Spider-Verse type story and tell a different emotional arc within that. Um, and that's the only way this works. Um I don't because because they, they haven't said they've, they 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 have not said that like, oh, yeah, Alfred Molina is going to be in this. But it's like just a fucking like little wink, wink, nod, nod cameo. Right. Like, right. no, they're saying he is back as Dr. Octopus, you right. know, um, and I just don't know how you do this in a way that has any emotional weight. You certainly can't make it where, oh, Dr. Octopus is going to be the villain in this one. And it's Alfred Molina. But, you know, because. He died in Spider-Man 2. Now, I know that it's a comic book death, but um, I, you can't do this within the context of Marvel movies where it just oh, so happens that it's that the Dr. Octopus in this timeline is also the same Dr. Octopus. Like they did that in the James Bond movies where M played by Judy Dench stretched from the Pierce Brosnan movies into the Daniel Craig movies. But the James Bond timeline, we all agree is like, don't do not think about it too hard. We're just making movies. You want to see the actors you like, like that's not Marvel. We know what they're doing. Um, And he's not going to be the the main villain. It's going to be a, you know, a cameo because even if there's some like reality hopping hijinks, like why the fuck would the Raimi version of Dr. Octopus hate Tom Holland's Spider-Man? Like he wasn't a lunatic. You know, he had a personal grudge against Peter Parker. His octopus arms made him a little extra crazy. But like if for some reason he got transported to a new reality, he wouldn't be like, hey, there's that completely different Peter Parker. I'm going to murder him and his girlfriend, too. It's just fucking ridiculous. So I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, I'm 
the the curiosity is driving me driving my interest more than anything um i, yeah. I do genuinely like tom holland and spider-man and, and like those movies so that's also there too but so i have a little bit of trust and faith but i'm just like you know is there a jump the shark moment here that's occurring or what's going on? I don't know. Um, and some of that's like with a lot of this stuff. And that's where I'm, you know, looking at just like the sheer amount of shit that's coming out over these next. And this is all supposed to happen in the next like four to five years. And it's just like, this is a lot of stuff. And yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I would be curious. I think what they're probably going to do just based on what we've seen so far is they might try and go for like a multiverse Sinister Six, which would be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I guess, but I don't know what that looks like and why and how and where and what. But like I said, I mean, maybe some of the sequencing here will make it more evident as we move towards it. But I think the other thing, because, yeah, like you said, it's not just going to be like, well, we're just like recasting these people as the same people. They're just different versions, like because people have talked about that a lot for the X-Men characters, right? Like, well, we don't we aren't really interested in a prof- uh, Charles Xavier that's not, you know, um, Patrick Stewart. So it's like, can we just reuse them? It's like, no one says you can't, but people will be confused or nerds would probably get mad about it. But that is one thing that's noticeably absent from this, though, right? It's like no X-Men stuff at all. Yes, that's very interesting. Uh, A conspicuous absence, one might say. Um, And my hunch is that I I don't think they're keeping secrets. I just don't think they know what to do with X-Men yet. Yeah, I agree. Um... I think maybe somewhere in WandaVision and or Doctor Strange will get something. I think that's where you'll start to see maybe some previews because yeah. and we've talked about this before. Like you can't. The only way you bring X-Men into the existing MCU is either through one, a reality hop where, you know, they come from a they come from a world where the X-Men have existed since the 60s and you integrate the timelines of the existing X-Men franchise and the new one. Or you basically start the X-Men clock now, right? Mm -hmm. Where uh, the mutants start appearing and Professor X builds the first team and founds the Institute now. You know, you're you're doing first class again, but it's set in 2021. Yeah, the only thing that's curious to me, and this is not like uh, the, I guess the person who played Quicksilver in the Fox movies is alleged to have a role in WandaVision, which is interesting. That's basically the only character that was shared, right? Like there was a version in each universe. Theoretically. Um, And I mean, people don't know if it's just a different character, which is possible, although that would be a questionable choice. Um, There's also rumors that the person who played the Marvel, you know, this MCU Quicksilver is like also potentially in the movie. But I wouldn't be surprised if they're both in there as a kind of a wink, wink, nod, nod cameo. You know, she's trying to piece together her memories. What's real? What's not? Mm -hmm. That's probably what they're doing. Um, Yeah, I don't know what you do. Because also it gets it gets weird because, you know, the the X-Men, like if you're if you're if you're going to start the clock in, you know, at zero with X-Men, you still need to have a Weapon X program mm-hmm. that goes back in your Marvel history, which they could do. Right. Sure. They could they could do. There's been all kinds of things in in existing comics canon where they where they they build Weapon X into like the Captain America Super Soldier program, and they just say like, "Yeah, they, this was the Canada's version of that." Yeah, you I know. mean that's like an endless well for Marvel is like Weapon X, all kinds of things, just like and even seen so far like in Ages of Shield and whatever else. It's like they're really trying to make 
because that was the reason that the abomination was made like that like it's people just like yeah we're trying to recreate the super Sol- super soldier serum like that's just like it's an endless well just like and then there's other people were trying to do it over here and those other people over there were trying yeah. to do it so they you were could, there you and, could get there but um yeah but also then you also have to have like well if you said it in 2020 and you've got magneto in there like he's gonna be like 90 <laughs> Yeah, you'd have to not no if, longer. Have way, unless you completely rewrite his, his backstory, background. which yeah. I think you should. Yeah, it's time to ditch that connection. Unfortunately, as much as it made sense at the time, it no longer makes it doesn't fit any longer. I'd say no, no. Um, and 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 honestly, the the thing they have to do is, and I feel like we talked about this before, but they need to reframe X Men. The persecution story is no longer about race; it's about gender. Mm-hmm. Um. But I also don't think that's something Marvel is going to want to touch in today's cultural environment. Probably I, I not. I think that's too much of a flashpoint for them. Probably not. Okay, well, Greg, we made it to the lightning round. You feel you feel tired? No. <laughs> I did have three other little things from Disney announcements I just wanted to breeze through quickly. Sure. Um, it's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is probably my favorite comedy of all time, was renewed for four more seasons, which will make it the longest running live action sitcom. In total... In, in, total, in total uh season run. count not necessarily not in runtime or episode count yeah um but still well deserved in my opinion let's see um i feel like the, the last couple seasons have been pretty uneven but they might have hit their stride again let's we'll see this is the most recent season i liked a lot the one or two before that i said i agree we're uneven but they're still just like great shit in there but they're yes no when they're when they're on they're on yeah um shane and i've been doing just a little bit of like copping around watching episodes and we're just like god Damn, this show is good. Like, it's just, it's just so good, man. Um, an alien show? I'm sure you're super pumped about that, right? Oh God, <laughs> they fucking die. Um, and then the one thing. This is a show from my childhood that I really enjoyed, the Chippendale Rescue Rangers, but with Andy Samberg and John Mulaney. I could. This could be something. I Rescue Rangers was a was a was a big chunk of my childhood as well. Um, and there are very few John Mulaney things that I'm not gonna. I'm not going to give a good faith effort. Um, yeah, I haven't watched Big Mouth season four yet. It's good. Um, I, I, I think my, my general read on Big Mouth is they're never going to get back to where they were in season one. Mm. But um, the the show is still like if you it's not transcendent the way the first season was, um, but it is still just a very funny show. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to get if, if you just want to get some good laughs. Big Mouth is is still that, but it doesn't it doesn't have as much to say as it mm-hmm. used to. I feel and I, um yeah, that's interesting. I'm not surprised. I think, you know, a lot of pointed comedies kind of hit that, I think, as well. Yeah. Um, Back to the Rescue Rangers. I've heard that I have faith because obviously Andy Samberg and John Lane are both awesome. Uh, well, Andy Samberg's hit or miss, but um, the. Apparently, the remade like DuckTales show is apparently very good. I've been meaning to watch that because because Charlotte's getting just old enough where I think like she Cartoons could get something out of it and <laughs> I could I could watch it. Yeah, I've heard it's very good. Um, yeah. So hopefully kind of the same quality and thought is put into this kind of you know redo. But OK, but that sums up my Disney things. I have a couple of other things before we move into our top picks. Do we have time, yeah. you think? Yeah, I go. OK, um, first. Just some brief fanboy expansion news. Um, <laughs> season five debuted last week. First three episodes, similar to the boys season two, you know, released three and then a couple after that, which I really like the model because you get hooked with those first three you can binge and then you're like into it. 
where I feel like if we just dropped one and be like, you might not watch episode two or three, right? Um, is adapting the fifth book, which is my favorite book and most people's favorite book. And so far they're crushing it. They did announce that season six is confirmed, but it will be the final season. But the creators basically said like, well, they basically said something about like, we don't think cancellation is a good, like, is a thing anymore. Like any TV show at any sure. point is going to be, could be revived for any reason. And he's like, we're not viewing it as an end point. It's like when a band breaks up. Like, right. You mean you're going to stop making records for a while? Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense because this isn't a major spoiler, but between book six and seven, there is like a major time time shift. And the last three are very different from the first Mm. six and kind of tell like a not a different story. It's the same characters and things, more or less. But it is a different approach. But they could recast and reframe everything without too much disruption. Well, they could wait because it's a time skip. So like if the actors are a little older, it would actually help them not have to make them look 30 years older or whatever. So I think they're thinking with their heads a little bit. So I was at first excited to get another season. I went through a couple of stages of grief, like, you know, anger, then acceptance. And then I was like, but now I feel like they really know what they're doing. So, yeah. Um, Also, as of yesterday, I finished Stormlight Archives book four, Rhythm of War. Jesus Christ, man. I was just listening to the episode that I took a month to post and you were just talking about how it was just coming out that day or something. Yeah, I bet a month. It was 1,300 pages. It was about Are a month. you working? <laughs> I am working. I'm actually working quite a lot as so I just started a new job. Um, but I, you know, in my downtime, I've been reading a lot and reading a lot at night. And um, evidently, yeah, um, I crushed it pretty quickly. I got through three chapters of The Expanse in the same amount of time. <laughs> Wait, three chapters of The Expanse? Yeah, book one. Greg, I'm so proud. I know. I'm excited. What do you think so? It's fine. It hasn't really grabbed me yet. Yeah. I, I actually think people love the first book. I think the first book is not one of the strongest entries in the series, but it started out good. real good with some like space style body horror right at the end of the first chapter. And I was like, yeah, let's do this. And yeah. then it was like a lot of stuff about how you move water around space. And I was like, I mean, you guys get points for the hard sci fi, but the, let's get back to that body horror. You'll get there. Don't worry. I know. <laughs> um, Cool. I'm excited. Uh, anyway, um, real quick summary, because I know you're kind of over Stormlight. Um, but I will say that Stormlight Archives has moved from a general, like if for people who like fantasy, a general recommendation to a qualified recommendation. Ooh. This is probably my least favorite Stormlight book so far. Interesting. Which comes after my previous least favorite Stormlight book. Uh-oh. Um, I still really liked a lot of it. Uh, the pacing had similar problems that Oathbringer had, which was book three. And um, that's where I fell off, I think. Yeah, that's why I'm saying it's qualified, because what he's doing is interesting and cool, but it's very specific. And I think that at this point, even though it's been a New York Times bestseller for like three weeks and according to Amazon, it's like the number one read book for however many weeks, like he's not lacking for readership. Um, The character journeys are really good, like uh, dealing with the mental struggles of like Kaladin and Shalin and like most of the cast, because a lot of the cast have some sort of like, you know, struggle um, actually landed the most for me in this book. I'd say um, could just be timing, but um, there's not a whole lot of action. And this is now the second book where they're spending a lot of time in the same place in where you have this like very cool, very diverse fantasy world you've created. And you're basically spending all of it in like a single tower. And it's like, I don't want to be here anymore. Yeah. And 
definitely a lot of like, look at all this magic-y science bullshit. I'm going to jerk myself up about it for 500 pages. And like, don't get me wrong. I like that. It's cool. But even I was like, okay, dude, like, let's move forward a little yeah. bit. Also, there's kind of a pattern of like cool stuff happening throughout the book. But the ending having like a ton of just like huge climactic revelations and scenes built into it. And it's like, couldn't we maybe stretch this out over yeah. the course of 1300 pages? Because yeah. the ending g- genuinely did like surprise me. Like one of the things that happens, I was like, oh, this changes everything, which is cool. Um, there's also been some very big Cosmere, Cosmere reveals in it that are just like pretty wild. And we're getting to that point now where. Um, that you might find interesting is that some protagonists from other books may not be in alignment with the protagonists of this of these books, and they may have competing um, goals for the state of the universe, and mm. we may be seeing conflict between them, which will be interesting, including one particular very angry and difficult to kill Mistborn. Um, <laughs> so that was cool, but I did like it. It's not like a bad book by any means. I just think that you have to really be interested in what he's doing to kind of yeah. be into it anymore, I think. But I think being that book five is going to be sort of like the end of this big arc and he's taking some time off and then we'll do the back five. I have a lot of high hopes for book five because it sets up some really cool stuff. So hopefully he will break up because both this and book three felt very similarly paced in a way that was not positive for me. It'll so. be 4,000 pages long. <laughs> Probably. And it's going to come out in 30 seconds. Yeah. From now. Um, yeah. So, but anyway. So this is the time where I would say, Greg, I think I'm I've settled my, uh, you know, that this is maybe not a book series for Greg. Uh, yeah, I, I I have reached that conclusion as well. Um, but I think the Expanse might be a book series. For it Greg. might be. Uh, the, the, the Expanse does have potential. I'm also reading a book I think might be a book for Greg now that I started a new book based uh-huh. on I basically the first time in my life, Greg, I was just like my friend was just like, I think you should read this book. And I was like, OK, I'm going to do it. It is called the, uh, what is it called? You might have actually heard of this because it might have come up in your search for things. It's called, oh my God. No, I'm just like completely lost it. The Library at Mount Char. Have you heard of this book? No, this is new to me. My friend described it as a modern, like dark fantasy, somewhat Lovecraftian vibes. Um, so far, so good. And it came out in 2015 by author Scott Hawkins. And I was like, you know what? I'm just not going to read anything. I'm just going to like, buy it on Kindle and just start reading it that night. And it started off like really weird and really gross. And I'm like, this might be a Greg book. (laughs) Good so far. Including a character who uh, squeezes the blood out of his enemy's hearts onto his head and then lets it dry. And he has a gross rotting blood helmet. Mm, That sounds like a mythological monster called a red cap. Okay. Um, as you learn, I learned something. It's just a standalone book, which is also a strange choice for me at this point in my life. But I was kind of just like, should I read Dune? Should I read? You know, should I start yes, Malazan? You should, should read I re- Dune? I'm gonna read Dune, but now I'm like, I kind of wait. No, wait. Than- you should not read Dune because Dune gets worse and worse as you read all the books, and you're gonna read all the books. I don't think I will because I know they get worse and worse. Okay. There's a lot. Yeah, stop at three or four. Yeah, I'll stop. I'll probably stop after Frank Herbert's done. And that's 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 the outer limit. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, so um, I don't I'm not very far. I have no idea what the fuck is going on, but I kind of just thought this might be in your house. All right. I mean, there's only one box left to check, and that's class struggle. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's set in America, so you kind of get that by default, don't you? Mm -hmm. Well, depends on who's writing it. (laughs) That's true, I guess. (laughs) But yeah, so anyway, that's where I'm at with that. 
But so what's the title again? It's called The Library at Mount Char. It's a very like Lovecraftian title, I feel like, too. It, that does. Yes, that has some tentacle vibes to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So far, it's weird. Um, and I don't know what's going on, but yeah. So, OK, that's what I had. The only thing I wanted to talk about was going to be a lot more. So I think I'm going to say that for another episode. And this, OK, this is just a preview, like talking about I did some napkin math through an elaborate Excel spreadsheet about um, like m- movies making money and the WB's decision to release them on streaming and stuff. So I have a little more research to do on that, but we'll bring that up later. It's things are going to get weird. <laughs>